Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm Zach Clark, your Dirtle Magus, and with me as always is Nathan Golia. Good evening, Zach. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a heck of a day. Yeah, it's been a it's been a big day for me as well. Um, but I think we should talk a little bit about the Eternal Extravaganza tournament that just yeah, happened last week. The Extravaganza. Uh, Sam Rookus took that, right? Yeah, Sam, who we know, I yeah. guess, a reasonable amount. Seasoned uh, Miracles player uh, t- took that down. Uh, so we had some friends that made it right up to the end but didn't make the top eight. Uh, so, uh, still walk away with a nice prize. I mean, I was telling people in Utah about the prize, and they were like, their mouths are just like open. Like, they're just giving away four pieces of power for yeah, this legacy tournament. Like, well, it's a $60 entry. Yeah. <laughs> So. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, let, let's talk about the top eight. Um, in in no particular order, uh, we had uh, Infect, Reanimator, Death and Taxes, Punishing Maverick, uh, Grixis Delver, and uh, three Miracles decks. Um, what do you think of that? Yeah, and well, three Miracles decks is unfortunate in a way, just because it's so many. But not that unexpected. I mean, it's a big prize and it's a big tournament. So, and that's the best deck. Yeah, so. I think uh, that's and it's a deck that rewards uh, rewards a seasoned player, for sure. And a lo- also a longer tournament, in a way, where you're not going to like get to five and zero with your brew and then have it go sideways on you. Yeah, the consistency of the miracles deck. Um, I thought. I mean, just going back to what you had predicted last week, uh, you had two miracles. So you did predict more than one Miracles, and I got to give you credit for that. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and also one Reanimator. Yeah, the Reanimator actually uh, is a bit of a surprise to me, because that that I just sort of threw in there, I think because it's, it's skewed in my head a little bit, because I've been playing it. Um, yeah. Like, it would be a thing to see. Um, and I, I think the, the other funny thing is I have been playing Infect, uh, and Infect is in that list, but I've been losing with Infect, so I didn't include it in the list. Because uh, it, I just, I don't know. I just like decided to like make that part of my, uh, uh, you know, deciding factor is like I had been losing with Infect lately, so I wasn't going to include it in the top eight list. And and lo and behold, it made it in. So you know, not yeah. all of my information was was totally correct. Uh, what were the other things I had that I thought were going to make it in? Well, you had one Delver deck of some sort, and sure. so that also was a hit with Grixis Delver. Um, you had 1.5 to 2 Eldrazi decks. None. And Yeah, and I don't. I didn't get to watch a ton of the coverage during the day. I actually watched the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I thought I might have seen someone saying there was a lot of Eldrazi on camera. That might have been for the vintage portion. Um, but I mean, surpri- there are definitely sort of people surprised. casting Thought Not Seer in vintage. That's for sure. Yeah. So I can't remember for sure if it was played a lot in Legacy, but... Uh, I'm I'm sort of surprised it didn't break through, but you know yeah. you got three out of eight slots going I to mean, one deck here. So <laughs> you know what do you think uh, that that's due to? You think uh, that maybe because it's such a newer player deck that um, you know people Legacy is a format where you pick your deck and you kind of get to know it very intimately, and then you learn the format kind of around it. Do you think that some of the uh, Eldrazi players are still maybe a little too new to the uh, to the scene to uh, be able to get over on these uh, the you know, these ringers? Um, I, I don't know if I would say that necessarily. I think that for this tournament in particular, it really appeals to a crowd 
of established legacy players. For sure. So maybe that was there was just less Eldrazi players because of that. There wasn't a lot of new players, right? Yeah, right. If, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. and also, you pretty much have to be an established legacy play, player if you're going to travel to the middle of the country. Uh, you know, in my opinion, the middle of the country. I'm from Ohio. Uh, but, you know, having to travel to uh, to Columbus from the well, this, East this Coast. This was in Baltimore. Oh, this was in, this was in Baltimore. I take it all back. Baltimore's an easy ride. Um, I knew that. Uh, that's Eternal Weekend, which is, what, in a couple of weeks, right? It's two weeks, yeah. Two weeks, Or a week yeah. and a half, I guess, at this point. But, yeah, so... But, yeah. Uh, yeah, getting getting to Baltimore is not, not really that tough as an East Coast player. But uh, to, you know, a West Coast player, it's a little bit more of a, of a drive. So, you know, maybe there's that factor in it, too. That It's not in a... Uh, I wouldn't call Baltimore a transportation hub, as it were. Um, so maybe a little bit tougher to get out to for the average, uh, newer player. The legacy tournament was also a Sunday. So as um, well, yeah, you know, that's, that's, yeah. that's a huge factor. I mean, it's really tough to play in a, in a big tournament on a Sunday and know that you've got to fly back somewhere and go to work at, you know, at seven or eight on Monday morning. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I'm sort of surprised. I'm just kind of surprised it didn't wasn't wasn't there. But what can you do? Um, you also had a Lurin. Um, None of that. Yeah. Well, a Lurin, <laughs> and it's funny because in Utah, it's like super popular. I think we've got like were there three people playing some variation of this Lurin deck, and we have about twenty to twenty five committed legacy players. So I played against it a lot, but uh, it uh, didn't make an appearance here. Um, and then lands, which we don't know what this punishing Maverick deck is exactly, but it uses it's some land so- strategy, of course, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean you're Maverick. definitely playing. <laughs> I have to assume they're definitely playing with uh, Knight of the Reliquary in this deck. Yeah, I guess that's why you'd call it punishing Maverick. Yeah, you won't um, play Maverick without uh, without Knight, right? Like. Yeah, it just seems like a sort of a waste to just play white for what, like Thalia, at that point, and yeah, and Stoneforge. I mean, the the formats become pretty, um, I don't know, uh, unfriendly to Stoneforge Mystic as of late. I feel like so, it's just not, uh, you know, it, it's a fine card to throw in your deck, but I wouldn't play white just because of it. Yeah, I've been playing Maverick for a couple weeks locally, and. Uh... It is sort of nice to have, like Stoneforge is like a nice to have, where you've kind of been grinding things out, and then you draw a Stoneforge Mystic, and you're like, all right, well now I'm going to get a GTA and sort of clean this thing up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but a four Stoneforge blue fair deck is just really uh, yeah. tough right now. It's lackluster, I mean, you know? It just doesn't seem like it's doing anything for you uh, in, in games where, you know, most of the Eldrazi are bigger than... Uh, the batter skull. Um, so it's, and they can exile your and they can, yeah they can get rid of it they can, you know there's so so many ways for them to take advantage of, of that you know uh, miracles deck doesn't really care as much if you're trying to uh, put a stoneforge mystic into play they're just gonna either get rid of it you know after you get the artifact or they're just gonna you know get it off the board. Yeah. Um, I mean, D&T plays four Stoneforges, but it's kind of funny in that they have to play four because they don't really play any, like, deck manipulation, yeah, right? Yeah, none, right? And they're really doing sort of the same thing that a Maverick deck that's 
usually playing two Stoneforge Mystics is doing, which is just sort of like, this is a thing that costs two mana and gets bigger than that. Yeah, you know, bigger and it's a lightning it's a rod for, for, you know, for D&T. It's a lightning rod. Like, you have to kill that thing. And then, like, oh, Thalia is out now. Oh, God, there's this other thing out. And then Mom's out. And, you know, D&T is, is sort of the a battle of attrition against your opponent's removal spells. Uh, you get to a point where they're just out of them, you know? Yeah. So thinking about this tournament in particular and what, how it played out, um, I watched uh, a couple of the last couple of rounds, and what I saw was a Miracles Mirror match. Sure. So obviously the Miracles decks had made it to the quarterfinal or to the semifinals, um, and then Grixis Delver versus Miracles um, was the finals, and the Grixis player. Uh, they you know just they did put up his deck list. He didn't have abrupt decay, so he was really just leaning on like I'm gonna cabal therapy to counterbalance or play engineered explosives, and you know he <laughs> you got to give him credit. I forget. His, I'm sorry now. I forget his name, but like he really played well and found his outs and deployed things in the right order. But the Miracles deck just has so many answers to that strategy. It's like, a juggernaut, man. The deck is just so good against so many different strategies that it's it's really hard to, even when you're set up against it, you know, like it's just such a, um, it's a powerhouse deck that like is very hard for people to uh, work around. Yeah. So if you, now, so now that we're going into like two weeks from last Saturday, I guess, or last Sunday, so... I guess like a week and a half from now, yeah. yeah, is the Eternal Championship, or the Legacy Championship. So is the, the question, I guess, becomes, do you play Miracles, or do you try and beat Miracles, right? Yeah. Well, okay, so if you're not a dedicated Miracles player, like you're a guy like me who owns it but doesn't play it all the time, um, you yeah. know, you, and you have access to enough decks, you know, what is your deck of choice for this, uh, for this tournament? Uh, I mean, I think here I would probably just say fuck it and take Miracles. Like, you know, the deck is proven to be good. And even if it's on people's radar, like I was saying before, the deck is a powerhouse. It's very hard to even hate that deck out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, played, against, I played against Miracles last night um, in Utah. And I was playing Maverick. And... I just could not do anything. Basically, what happened was he countered my Sylvan Library in both games, and then I had no chance. Yeah, like, what like, do you do? Yeah, like, and I know that sounds weird, but, like, you know, I just was it was expelling everything I could just to have a board presence and use the cards in his hand. But then he would either have, he would have some timely Terminuses or a timely Snapcaster Plow, and... In one case, in the in the in the in the game, uh, I had turn one pithy needle top, then you know sort of played enough stuff to use what was in his hand up. So I'd put a couple of creatures out that he had to deal with, and, and then I then I played a choke, right? So I got like a choke and a reclamation stage, you know, that's my hand. Seems pretty um, good. So I play the choke, and he's got one card in his hand, which I had been assuming was a top, you know, because he'd had to, like, one card in his hand for a couple turns, and I couldn't draw anything because I don't have, like, a lot of draw manipulation. He had, he had force of willed my uh, Sylvan Library. 
So I'm just, and then he just ends a turn, wear tear my needle and my choke, and then draws top, right? Plays a top and passes back. So I reclamation stage the top. He flips the top, and it's another sword slip on shares. Come on. (laughs) And uh, so he kills my reclamation stage, and then we're back down to, like, I've got, like, a land in my hand and a bunch of lands out. He's got a bunch of lands out, just the top off the top, and... You know, I can't find anything to close it out. So, I mean, it's a bad matchup for Maverick. And I'm, you know, I can't, you can't get around that. But um, it's just so, it's just, it's just, it's just so amazing how, <laughs> you know, their, their answers are just so much better than the threats to them. If the so. format looked like this top eight, um, I'd have to agree with Lee Zhu and like Rug Delver is the, is the deck to take to this. Um, but I'm just not sure that the format looks like this. Well, I, mean, I definitely think the format looks like three three X miracles. Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's fine, and you can tune your. You know, I prefer to tune my deck to to be able to at least play against miracles by playing uh, like a main deck warb. Uh, you know, having having multiple different kinds of threats that my opponent has to deal with that are you know like mm-hmm. I play with two Vendelian clicks. Uh, a a pair of uh, hooted mandrel hooting mandrels and and a trinamesis so it kind of sets my opponent up in 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 situations where he kind of has to deal with a lot of different kinds of threats um, instead of just being like well these threats are shroud you know and, and with mongies I I feel like mongies aren't really are are both good and not amazing in, against miracles in this matchup because you they're not fast creatures you know per se. Uh, you know, three three terminus targets basically is what they is what they are. Um, once once they get down, and it, by the time they get down and become three threes, it's too late. Your opponent's already kind of got his thing going. You know, unless you've been doing a really good job of days and stifling your opponent out of the game, uh, those monkeys aren't doing anything for you. Yeah, um, I. I... I respect Lee's success against Miracles, and I'm not going to say he hasn't been. I just, I don't think I would feel comfortable bringing, like, Rug Delver. I mean, I like a stifle deck like against against uh, Miracles, you know? Like, I, I I love just being like, oh, no, I'll just cast Stifle to, to your Miracles trigger and watching your opponent yeah. just, like, draw his six-mana card and be like, well, going to have to wait till I draw a Brainstorm, I guess. Yeah. You know? So I don't, you know, I don't hate the deck against against miracles but it's not it, it, it there's no great deck against against that deck right now which is uh sort of unfortunate because it means that eventually a hammer is going to drop i mean eldrazi would have been the deck or, or has been named as a deck that is a good foil to miracles um and but, but then you it would wager then that you would see I think we just have to sort of share a little bit of our intelligence. You know, we we knew a couple other people who were five and six and zero oh with miracles yeah. at this tournament too, yeah, yeah. right? It's like, not like it was a fluke that this deck was doing well. Like these, people... and neither none of them made the top eight. So, yeah, I mean, miracles was at the top table, and there was just no answer to it. Um, like what? Yeah, and... I I just don't believe that there's any deck that's as good as as that deck over. The entire format. Yeah, there are decks that uh, can beat it in a heads-up matchup, but like, if you want to feel comfy, take miracles to this format, to this uh, to this tournament, right? Like, 
and yeah. dare someone to have it. Yeah, just, dare someone to have the answer. Yeah, right? I think you know it's it's like that. Or I mean, I would take Miracles, uh, Delver, or Reanimator to the, to this tournament. Reanimator again because I just feel like it's a deck that like you can win the game fast or lose the game fast, and you're moving on to the next round, so you can you have time to ready yourself and steal yourself and, you know, realize what your mistakes may or may not have been and, and you know, kind of learn on the fly uh, about the tournament, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, that's what I was saying. Like, I definitely respect Delver as a choice just because if you if you have the uh, experience advantage, especially with a card like Stifle and just sort of have the soul reads down and know, like, I can use this Stifle on their fetch land. No doubt. And don't have to save it for a terminus, you know. Then you're at an advantage. Yeah. Um, but I think people are getting better with miracles, and the really good miracles players are consistently finishing at the top of these tournaments. So um, <laughs> I don't know if I would necessarily want to bet on it. I and uh, I, I, I just keep coming back to Jund, like just like Jund is a, is a tough matchup for miracles. It's probably got the, some of the same problems that Maverick has. Um, but it plays more abrupt decays. It plays dark confidant, which they don't like. Sure. In play, and you get four Liliana's, which goes after that. Liliana is a is a very tough card to beat uh, for for miracles. Like an early Liliana, like a turn two off of a death rate shaman, with with you know that resolves is is hard to deal with. Yeah. Um, so, but it's it, and you're saying like, and you're right to say also. Well, what happens against the rest of the tournament then, you know? Yeah, I and... can accept being beat by one deck. Like, if, if I'm always going to lose to Jund, but, like, I have a, you know, 60 or better percent chance against the rest of the field, you know, and after board maybe better than that, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I think Miracles is just the deck that you play because you want to win a tournament, you know? Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I agree. And um, like with John, I mean, you, you start wondering, like, what happens if I run into Burn? You know, what yeah. happens if I run into Shardless Bug? Which what happens if I is... run into Blood Moon from the Miracles <laughs> deck? You know, like, yeah. post board. Yeah. Jeez. Exactly. Um, even, I mean, even, you, you know, the argument's like, I have Deathrite Shaman, but Deathrite Shaman still dies to Swords of Plowshares, Stored still dies to Terminus. Like, those cards can be removed. A Blood Moon's very hard for a Jun deck to get rid of. Yep, you fetch your basic forest and your basic uh, and your basic swamp on your first two things. You have to hope that you know, like, and you you can't even you. There are times that your mana base is going to screw you like that, though. Like, if you do that, and then you know you need red mana for something, uh, you're you're going to be in trouble. Or if you don't have access to those to those colors because your fetch lands didn't work out for you, or you you know that that sort of thing. So it can it can be a little a little tough. Yeah. and uh, so, like, you know, bug control, I think, is something, whether it's Shardless Bug or some other some other flavor, is something that people suggest against Miracles as a Miracles foil. But those decks, I find that, maybe I'm playing them wrong, but I find they struggle against faster decks. Yeah, like, what's Shardless Agent going to do against a Reality Smasher? Right. <laughs> like, even, even um, if you get the uh, Baleful Strix out and you still take four damage from the Reality Smasher... There's probably another Reality Smasher on the way, not to mention an Endbringer that can just kill your Baleful Strix. You know, that's, it's... it's well, Mattery really, Shaper. Yeah, Mattery Shaper. Like, all really? these cards line up really well 
Uh, I mean, Mattery Shaper is basically a Shardless agent. Yep. It's either a Shardless agent or a Baleful With, Strix, like, you so. know, Hearthstone's Death Rattle trigger, right? Like, yeah. So... Um, yeah, so so that's why I, ha- I I build these bug control decks, and I like the way they look. And then I think, like, you know... <laughs> Turn one mountain goblin guide. What am I doing? You know. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> and that's gonna happen. You know, you're gonna. So miracles, miracles, just sort of having the the format, sort of. I don't want to say locked down, but it's one thing for a deck to have like a lot of even matchups. I feel like miracles are a lot of favorable matchups. Mm-hmm, sure. And I don't. Um, I'm not hating on miracles by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's a. I think it's a fine deck to have in the format. Uh, it's a little too powerful. Um, but I don't think that like we should ban something from it. I really just think that uh, it, other decks are underrepresented and maybe not playing uh, playing as hard against Miracles because they're just being like, well, if I go up against Miracles, I'll accept that defeat and move on to the next round kind of thing. Not you know not completely, but I don't feel like uh, you know people are respecting it enough in the sideboard. So th- I think that's sort of a problem. And it's hard yeah. to because Legacy is a giant format. You really have to be careful about what you use for your sideboard slots. Yeah, and it's funny because when I was playing Reanimator for a few weeks, I I just like wasn't really paying attention to my sideboard, and I ended up with like somehow like six graveyard hate cards. And I remember thinking, well, there was another guy that was playing Reanimator, so I don't want to lose the mirror match. Um, and then when I got I got paired against Lands, and I drew a hand that was like. Nihil Spellbomb, Fairy Macabre, and Surgical Extraction. <laughs> and so he, like, goes for a loam, and I'm like, Fairy Macabre, your lands, and then Surgical, your loam. <laughs> gotcha. And he's like, wow, you are really prepared. I'm like, yeah, I was a little overprepared. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, with Miracles, though, what sideboard cards are great? I mean, Planeswalkers, you know, something that just sort of applies consistent pressure is good. But then you got to resolve a four mana sorcery speed spell. I think like you're like as many pithing needles as you can fit into a sideboard is like your best bet, right? Like you're just like Mm -hmm. on Jace on uh, top, on top, you know, and and just like go from there. Like here's your win condition stopped, and so is so is your like main combo piece, you know. And then, I don't know what, like, endless ranks or illness in the ranks. <laughs> so that your opponent only has a 2-2 prowess creature. Um, I have brought in Dread of Night. And yeah, then, Dread like, played great. Dread of it's Night. And then played Engineered Plague on Human. Yeah. So. <laughs> That'll do it, yeah. right? No Monastery Mentor, no Snapcaster Mage. I don't think he had a way to win. Yeah. And that was great. It still took me to turn three of turns to close out the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, so, that's a tough one. Um, um, yeah, I don't know that there's there's a definitive like you know get this card out, get get this deck by playing this card. Like it's a it's a mix of having the right deck, having the right draws, uh, and knowing the miracles deck maybe better than the person playing the miracles deck. Yes, which and, is why uh, I've been sort of you know reaching out in the format and trying to learn different decks so that like when I go back to Rug Delver. I have a better knowledge of what I should be fighting against. Yeah, um, I, I think that. Uh, well, I think that it, miracles is a little too powerful. I also just, 
I think you also have to respect Eldrazi. Um, I still think that maybe maybe this is a way. Maybe this result is sort of an indication that you might not have to respect it as much as you think, yeah. as one would think. And I found that the issue is like a deck that can be good against miracles is just, it, which is a slower deck, you know, is not necessarily going to be good against a deck that's just like going to be hitting you for four. 14 on turn three. Yeah. Like, with astonishing regularity. On, you know, on your turn two, perhaps, you know, or you only had two turns, you know. So, uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's there's some pressure that, that, the, that legacy players are facing. And, unfortunately, well, maybe, I don't know how many people agree with this, but playing the deck that is the best deck isn't always an option or the most satisfying or even the right choice for sure know? i mean uh it's you know i struggle with trying to I, I really need feel like i need to learn the deck to play it and i'm not great with miracles and it, it sometimes is a fun deck especially the build i have i think is is more fun than other decks but it's probably not the best version of the deck and sometimes it's really hard to um, not just say, "Hey, I'm going to play one of the other decks that I have at my disposal that it, that I find more enjoyable, you know, or that uh, you know I feel like is better in my particular meta, right?" Yep. Yeah, um, and it's it's interesting. I think the big uh, in, with Miracle specifically, that divide really shows with the sort of Joe Lissette camp versus yeah. the monastery mentor camp right yeah yeah legends and, versus uh versus humans yeah i mean joe's a very popular streamer and a very popular player and you watch him and you see his deck and you see him do well and you're like well this is a good deck but it's very much more complicated super intricate deck you know it's, it's <laughs> yeah. and that's why i still say you know like i've been playing the deck for months and i still say that like i need more practice with the deck uh i don't i don't practice it as steady as i used to uh, or as I used to, as I used to with like rug, like I played rug for two years straight, like, uh, you know, jumping on that is like riding a bike. I, I get yep. in there and I, I know exactly what I'm, what I'm going for in each matchup. Whereas with miracles, every matchup for me is, is just like, well, what's my opponent going to do? How do I want to react to it? Instead of like being like, I know what he's doing. I know what the next play is. I need to watch out for this, 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 and this. Um, and I think, you know, everyone has decks sort of like, sort of like that to themselves that they're like, you know, this is my wheelhouse and I'm more prepared, uh, for the, for the format. If I play this deck, I think that, uh, a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. So yeah. And the, the uh, sort of opposite side of that is the very streamlined mentor builds, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I just find them to be so powerful. Like, Monastery Mentor is a card. You just can lose the game when it hits the table. I mean, if your opponent like you, has If you two, let them untap with it... <laughs> yeah, if your opponent happens to get two tops into play, he's literally just like, for the amount of mana he has, he's dealing you that much damage this turn, and next turn, it's that much damage times that much damage because of the amount of creatures that he creates just off of tapping mana. Like, I'll tap, put my top on top. Well, I got a top. I'll play it. I'll tap my top on top, and you just do that for whatever the amount of mana you, you have, and your opponent's dead in two turns. Then all you have to do is be like, "Oh, well, you eighteen. You got my whole board gone. Cool. I'll snap in this uh, Snapcaster Mage and attack you with it. You're dead. Or right. I'll attack with this Click. Or you took some damage from uh from your own lands. You know, 
it can it can really be uh, a, a just a powerhouse of a card that ends games so quickly, and and it's not what you would expect from a miracles deck. A lot of times you're like, oh, I can take a little bit extra damage here, there, and you see a mentor come up, come down, you're like, oh shit, I definitely should have been more circumspect with my life total. Right, I and I and I just you know letting them untap with one top is bad. I mean, letting because they're gonna they're gonna two for one you with with a lot of their cards, and let's say you've tried to put pressure on them, they've resolved a terminus, right? And then they've got a swords to plowshares, right? Mm-hmm. Now you've got no board and you've got no hand or you know not important cards, and then a mentor comes down. Maybe they even tap out for it, you know. But what are you going to do if they untap? They're going to make more monks, and you're not going to. And those monks are going to dig up on their top. You know, those are going to be blockers for your guys. And God forbid, like even if you have an answer, like you know, I play rough and tumble, right? Like even if you have an answer, like rough and tumble, uh, what if they cast two spells in response? Yeah, and what if you can't play, you know, rough and tumble or pyroclasm or something like that at all? Because yeah. that's what your deck is, you know. Yeah. Like Maverick, this punishing Maverick deck is probably not playing pyroclasm. No, like your best <laughs> bet is what uh, massacre, and you don't want to be doing that. Your creatures are all tiny. Yeah, you, so you've got now. You've got to like now. It's another angle that they're breaking the symmetry of effects that you that might be good, right? Yeah. So I mean. That's why it's great if you can play Dread of Night against the Mentor deck, but Dread of Night is a blank against the Legends version. Yeah. I don't even think there's any white creatures in it. No, than... I have people side side in uh, Dread of Night against me occasionally, because I play the Legends version, and um, and I'm like, cool, that's an extra card that you don't have to use against me. Or they'll like, side in Engineer Plague, which is very bad against me. Uh you know, like, they'll just be like, I'll tap three mana and put Engineered Plague into play. And I'm like, okay, resolves. are like, human. I'm like, cool. My Vencers are going to be one ones. My Snapcaster Mages won't live. I'm not too worried about it. You know, I have, like, if they said Wizards, you know, I'd be I'd be a little bit more upset because at least, you know, Snapcaster Mages and Clicks don't live. But uh, I can just Vencer the thing back to their hand and get those back into play. You know, like, uh, it's... It, yeah, it's, it's just it's such an interesting some, deck because no matter how you build it, yeah. there's you you have this like toolbox of ways to beat your opponent. And I and you know last night in the first game, he just ripped an entreat off the top and won. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had the game kind of under control too. Like I had like a Thalia with a sword of fire and ice on it or something. And <laughs> he just like he has like seven lands at this point. Like the game has gone on, so like. That's the thing. You look across the table at the Miracles opponent, and they have like six or seven lands in play. You've lost. It's yeah. almost impossible. It's probably you're, you're probably not winning that game. Like you need to mana deny them, right? But they don't play. You know they're smart about fetching uh, fetching uh, non basics to beat Wasteland. Like Thalia can be annoying to them, but you have to have a Thalia and break that symmetry by not playing your own yep. non creature spells. And uh, and it's just funny because like entreat the angels, you know, maybe they have it, maybe they don't. That's the game for the opponent as well. Like you may find out game one they're playing miracles and you lose to a Jace, right? Or they have a Jace and you're just like, I'm not beating this Jace. So mm-hmm. now you have a question: Do you keep playing and see if they 
you know, show you something. My advice or is do you, keep playing. You just, <laughs> yeah, but then you but then you put yourself in that like, well, what if they just win one zero one? Of course, because these games go on forever. Yeah, so, you need you need the information to at least figure out a little bit of what a second win condition looks like with this deck. Um, of course, they don't have to give it to you. They can just keep Jace and, and pressure you out with Jace, right? But you have to try and figure out uh, the telltale signs of what one Miracles decks look like from another Miracles deck, right? Yeah, I think that's that's important. Um, but I think you know we've got on about uh, about Miracles probably for a little too long. We all, yeah, sorry. We, you know, no, I mean, you know, we both we're both talking about it, and I think it is it is relevant. Like it's, it's it is one of the best decks in the format. And uh, something needs to be done about it. Is it a banning? Is it maybe another deck to pop up and and uh, challenge it? Um, I don't know, but uh, you know, it's it's like one of the best decks in the format, and it might be the best deck in the format. So I think uh, you know that bears that bears saying. Um, but so uh, we can easily expect miracles to be at Eternal Weekend uh, in the top eight. Do you think? What's what's the over under? The over under I'm going to say is is two uh, decks. What do you think? Over or under in the top eight? Two two miracles decks. Two miracles decks. Uh, I'm going to say a push. I don't really want to say under, but I think there'll be two. All right, I'm going to go with over. Yeah. I'm going to well, say people saw how good it was, and they're gonna and they're gonna be out in mass. And I think that uh, I, I'm not going to say there's four, but I wouldn't be incredibly surprised if there were four in the top eight and i think four in the top eight is going to push wizards to make some decisions i don't think immediately but i think they're going to start making decisions if this if this sort of thing keeps going on where there's multiple versions of a deck in the top eight they have to acknowledge that uh if it's happening often that uh something needs to be done yep well i mean we we talked the next ban and restricted update doesn't come till after the next legacy grand prix which is in uh, January or the next American Legacy Grand Prix in January. So, what, if, if if there are four Miracles decks in the next in the Eternal Weekend top eight, I don't know. I don't know what what you, Sell what your you say then. <laughs> Sell your moats. You know. Yeah. Um. So, what else do you think there'll be any sort of reaction to this top eight in another way? Um. You mean uh, by you know by the governing body of Magic the Gathering? No, I mean more like just by players. Like people are oh. like, I, like I would look at this and be like, is anyone even trying to play Storm? Like if I was a Storm yeah, player, yeah, like, I mean, that's is anyone trying to play it? I'm not, I, we didn't really see any combo in there. I mean, you can consider uh, Infect a combo deck, but it's 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 really an aggro deck in this format, uh, and less of a combo deck. You know, you just get in and and do your thing, and you're like, oh, look at that! I've got Berserk. You lost. You know. Um, so uh, yeah, there's not a lot of com, not not any really combo decks represented in this top eight. So that's something to think about. Yeah, show and tell is the one that I would just be on the lookout for for a yeah. general weekend. I'm I'm very surprised there were no show and tells or sneak and shows in in the uh, in the top eight at all. Well, it was the same weekend as a pro tour, and it was a, like I said, sort of like a you know smaller cohort. You know, a bigger a bigger group comes out for eternal weekend for and sure. I think I think sneak and show is is a is a deck that is picked up by more like raw spikes. Yeah. When they think show or you know, I I think that Dredge is a possibility here too. Yeah. Dredge is also pretty good against miracles, is you know, yeah. assuming they can get on top of it. But yeah. Um so yeah, that's all uh I mean I, I don't know 
we could talk a little bit. I wish we knew more about this Punishing Maverick deck. Um, yeah. That could be any number of decks, um, you know, just based on how, on the wacky nomenclature of uh, of Magic the Gathering. It yeah. could be, like, an aggro loam deck, or it could be actually, like, a Maverick deck that doesn't play Thalia and plays Punishing Fire, which floats around out there. Mm-hmm. But good on that guy for making it top eight. Yeah. Um, so I guess before we, uh, you know, before we sign off, as it were, I did want to bring up the, um, situation with standard that, that happened today. That was like, you know, I don't know, spoiled, uh, the news announcement that was dropped today. Uh, so standard's yeah. going to go from an, from its 18 month, uh, rotation back to 24, which I, you know, personally speaking, I think that's a, it just feels like. Uh, a, a knee-jerk reaction to a lot of people on Reddit crying about, like, you know, how they can't afford to play Standard. And Standard's at the cheapest it's been in years right now. That's what I was going to say. Like, I was considering even playing Standard. Like, oh, you could pick up some of these decks for, like, 100 bucks, And, you know, maybe, yeah. they'll, maybe they'll, they have some staying power. Yeah. Um, I just think it's it's interesting that they just... They made such a big deal about this decision. They got rid of the core sets, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you know, I don't know. Who knows what they do? Why they do up there in Renton? Like, I mean, I I, I have small amount of insider information. Uh, you know, I can't divulge my sources, but uh, some some people have told me that some LGSs have been told that uh, their uh, playership. Uh, for standard has been down like as much as fifteen percent since uh, the switch, um, and I think um, you know th- they can say since the switch, but they can also say since uh, other things that have happened in the last two years, uh, right around that time, like PPTQs being announced. Um, yeah, a, a widely hated uh, change to the to the Magic the Gathering Pro Tour system. Uh, changing uh, Pro Tour qualifiers to preliminary Pro Tour qualifiers and making them uh, maybe more accessible, but so much less rewarding um, that you know it's just uh, that that's a huge reason to not play uh, constructed Magic. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, modern players are going to come out for modern events either way, and a lot of the modern players are X standard players. Uh, and why are they X standard players? Because there's no value in standard. Uh, in a long-term situation. That's why most people end up moving into modern is because standard doesn't have the long-term value that they're looking for their cards, which I totally understand. And that part makes sense for the 24-month argument. But if standard's so much cheaper to get into, you're getting so much more value out of your cards, even if it's for a shorter amount of time, um, that it it shouldn't really matter too much. Um, so I think that yeah. it's, it's people not really doing the doing the actual math and complaining. And then, you know, Hasbro says, well, all these people are complaining. Wizards, what are you going to do? And Wizards is just like, well, fuck it. We'll change it again, I guess. Like, you know, um, you know, Mark Rosewater today was on uh, on Twitter and was like, hey, how do, what does everybody think? So the fact that he cares what people think, um, you know, actively cares. You know, I think he does care about the game. Um, but he actively cares what people think about this change, shows that he might not be exactly happy with it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think from in, in Mark's defense, in a way, like, you know, it, they make that he's he's out there 
for their for their for their unpopular decisions, you know. Of course. And and he puts himself out there. He made he wrote the article. He made a little infographic about how standard was going to rotate. If you remember from a couple years ago, for was sure, like a, yeah. Move, a good gift. And like, you know, if he's upset or whatever, it's like you know they probably planned this. They probably had meetings. I mean, you know how corporate works. Of course. Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like I I can't believe. I mean, had it, I don't even know that I had really felt or had had heard people even mention it being around with standard players now because until Kaladesh came out I don't really feel like it was that well, noticeably really different changed because all it meant that like one set was in for a little bit longer than it had been because we hadn't actually gotten to see that uh you know two six set standard uh rotate one time you know like yeah. it didn't actually happen you can't consider uh, part of uh, cons and and a corset, a full rotation. You know, like those those were a leftover, like a holdover from the the, the vestiges of the last thing that we're now just going to go back to. Uh, so it just seems crazy to me that they would make that as their decision, and I just don't think that it's that making this decision is going to have the effect that they want it to have on standard. I don't think uh, if there is a fifteen percent drop that there's going to be a fifteen percent increase because of that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to tie to something that will maybe explain why we're talking about some legacy podcasts, and I just think that there's a couple lessons to learn here. One is that people like playing with their cards, right? For you sure. get affinity for a card, and you want to play it as long as possible. And the other thing is that people like powerful cards that have staying power, and that's just not really what's going on um you know with with magic design and development right now no for sure it's very it's all about balance um which is and, fine uh, that's which makes that's a great a standard but doesn't it doesn't create long-term customers yes because you play this game for a couple of years you go through a couple of rotations then you look back at your you know death mist raptors is that a name of a card yeah yeah, yeah. Your that death i was played raptors, a lot and now you or, can probably get for 75 cents yeah yeah or your siege rhinos for god's sakes like you know th- those cards are worth you know almost next to nothing now uh after rotation and i totally understand you know why people like that's why i went to modern i played magic for about a year uh upon coming back and uh you know people were talking up modern and i was like oh well i'll check out modern and i was like oh well like all the way back to 8th edition, well, when does it rotate? They're like, it doesn't. It won't ever rotate. I was like, well, this is great. I can take the cards that I'm playing now, like Sphinx's Revelation and uh, Jace, the Architect of Thought, and uh, I can still play those cards in Modern. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll work on that in a, as, in a standard deck. But in the meantime, I can actually just take these Modern cards and uh, play them at the same time and maintain that value uh, for what I bought for these, it's it does stink to spend two hundred dollars, you know, or uh, you know, last standard four hundred dollars on a on a magic deck that you only get to use for six months, and then the rotation happens, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, your cards are worth next to trash. Um, yeah, it's, and, it's not even just about what their what their monetary worth is, but it's about your ability to play them. I, Wizards has these stats where they say that so much magic is kitchen table, and sure, but people crave the structure of the formats. They crave the high level prizes that you get from a Grand Prix or a Star City Open, of course, or anything like that. And 
you know, they want to play the best cards against the best players in the biggest tournaments. And, you know, standard is great for that. But again, it's just, it's like, you just aren't going to be, you just aren't going to hold on to these cards in the same way because they're all balanced against each other. They all have flavor with each other. The mechanics are, you know, not relevant outside, sometimes not even relevant outside limited. Yeah. You know, like, I just, uh, I, 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 do you remember when Standard was first announced? Yes. Like, do you remember when they first, of yeah, course. and like, yeah, you had to two? play five cards, yeah, <laughs> type yeah. two, yeah. People were playing, uh, you, play... you know, uh, every sideboard had Apocalypse Chime in it, because you had to play five cards from Homelands, and you're like, well, I guess if someone runs a Homelands deck, I'll just bring in my Apocalypse Chime, you know, yeah. you just, you couldn't find enough cards in that format to play, um, was, was well, really the you know, moral of that story. Right. And the, the game was unbalanced and it was younger and Homelands was bad and Fallen Empires was bad and Ice Age was iffy, right? But what happened, what I remember happening a couple years later was that Mirage came out and then Tempest came out and then Urza's block came out and suddenly Standard was, I mean, people have their opinions about Urza's block, but, you know, just like with Mirage and, and, and Tempest, like, it was fun and you could see yourself playing those cards going forward, right? Yeah. And I just like I, I'm picking on Death Mist Raptor because it's a card I could I, I know I, ex- I can think of, but it's like no one, morph is just not a thing that's relevant outside of a standard where it's carefully curated to be <coughs> good. Megamorph. <coughs> Megamorph. You're right. Whatever. Oh God. What a, <laughs> I I still think that that's the worst concept. That like did someone did someone in design, like, did someone's parents die or something in design? I hate to say that, but, like, what happened in design? You were just like, oh, you know, we'll just phone this the fuck in, like, completely, and, uh, you know, not even pay attention to this as a thing. I was like, oh, Megamorph, you know, when they explain it, they're like, it'll explain how, like, the magic was stronger when there were dragons. I'm like, okay, that sounds fucking cool, right? And they're like, yeah, it's stronger. Everything's plus one, plus one when you morph it. I was just like, what in the shit does that even mean? Why well, would you do this? Right, and I, and I think that another... This is all a reaction to the cons era of Standard, right? Where you had a very like, very expensive Standard with very oppressive cards. Yeah. First with Siege Rhino, and then with uh, Collected Company. And you could even say Jace Vern's Prodigy was in there for a while, right? Yeah. We're talking about a $90 card in Standard, so, you know, great. But... Um, you know, I'm probably maybe one of the few people who is going to go on the record saying this, but, you know, it's one thing to, uh, like, try and have balance, balance mechanics. It's another thing to put out just Drac, like, Outlast, you know? Yeah. Like, that was a mechanic for a, for a color combination that I love, and it would have been so cool to have a mechanic that did something but never did anything. I mean, that's it how I best, felt about a... card. But, That's how I felt about uh, whatever the ferocious. Ferocious. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Come on, Teamer! That's what you're giving us." And, and and I mean, if you go back to the original Ravnica, which was maybe the first, which is the first set to have like these are the color pairings, and here's their identifying mechanic. Of course, just look at the things that come out. Dredge, right? Yeah. Um, there's another one, and now now I'm gonna now I'm missing it, but uh, like. They're all they're transmute, all, they're, they're, you know, like transmute's super cool. Transmute, very yes, flavorful. Transmute you know, yep. uh, 
even interesting to build around. You know, I I I never liked it when they were like, well, this is here's your you know three to five limited uh, abilities per block. It's like, dude, don't build just just for limited. Like, build for build so that we can actually play the game outside of like cracking packs. You know, um, you know. But I'm not a limited player by by nature. You know, I'll play limited. Yeah. Uh, it's a great way to to gain new cards and open them. You know. Um, but I, I just feel like, God damn, come on guys. Like, no, there was in, in, in Provo a couple last week, actually, I kind of heard this up earlier. We had a magic swap meet at the Provo mall. This was oh, yeah. put on How by that go. I'm, I'm so interested to hear about this. So yeah, it was like a little mini con. There was, you know, three booths from some of the local stores. Uh, the organizer was raffling off some, some stuff and then he had the sealed tournament. Right. And it was Kaladesh sealed for dual lands. And I didn't play in it because as much as it would be cool to get another dual land, you know, I'm just like, like, I don't want to play limited, right? So I show up and I jam some legacy games with some friends and uh, bought some cards, left and came back at the end. And then, you know, at the end of the tournament, here I am sitting around the table. I brought a few decks. I, pa- I, I let them out to a couple people so that me and a couple of my other friends could test legacy. Mm-hmm. And then I saw one of those kids at the Legacy Tournament last night. Like, we weren't sitting around playing more Kaladesh Sealed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. People were like, is this Legacy? Yes. This is, like, real Legacy. He's got a Grizzlebrand in play. <laughs> you know? And I'm about to use this knight to find a Caracas. You know? And people loved it. Like, it was great. And it was a little group, but that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, people want to play powerful cards. Yeah, they want to... of course. Because we just, you know, we're not, people aren't sitting around playing more Calidus Sealed. I'll tell you, which I'm sure it was a fun tournament. Very rarely <laughs> but, seen seen a group of people crowd around a bunch of people playing standard. It happens for sure, but every time uh, me and Lee would sit down and play vintage against each other, twenty side proxy vintage, even you know, yeah. uh, the, a crowd would start to form if if there was a little bit of time in, in between rounds. They'd be like, "Oh, this is cool. Let's let's watch these two guys play. Uh, you know, play a format full of just like insane spells, right?" Um, and I mean, we're getting uh, we're we're slowly getting off topic from from yeah, the, we're way over time. this this yeah. this standard thing. But um, I think uh, what it comes down to is I'm just disappointed that the action. Uh, happened so quickly after it was actually in- implemented. I just don't feel like there there was data there. There obviously was some data, but I just don't feel like enough. Uh, as a game designer, uh, I, I feel slighted. Yep, I, that's there's there's no there's no way to even refute that. I mean, I don't know how you can say after like one of these rotations that it was time to panic. Like that's just crazy. Yeah, but that's and what if, the if if it's true. That standard's down because, you know, this is the perception. Uh, ch- there's an easy way to change that perception. It's to get rid of preliminary Pro Tour qualifiers, take the onus off of stores to d- do these silly events, and go back to just regular Pro Tour qualifiers. Those were events that you could drive with your friends. It was a big deal. And, uh, it, you know, back when they used to do, like, regional one, regional Pro Tour qualifiers were these, uh, like, larger companies like Grey Matter used to take care of the tournaments. That was great, but they just don't happen anymore. And there's no 
sense of like adventure that I used to get when I like roll into a store, you know, a local LGS that's just like, please, enough people come to our tournament so that Wizards doesn't take our status away from us. You know, like that's terrible. Yeah, um, yeah that's it's that's sad. And that's that's happened. Uh, you know, in the last in the last month, I've had two stores say like, if we don't get X people, you know, Wizards is gonna don't you know one store shouldn't tell me that because that's just it sounds terrible. But two, Wizards <laughs> shouldn't be telling stores that. Yeah, like I don't know, man. I, I it all just gets back to like, you know, what are they what are they doing? It's it's a game from 1994. Yeah, <laughs> and you know you've got all these other things going on. You got to compete, and you know this is just to me it, it undermines the confidence in your ability to make decisions. One hundred. And I'm saying this. I mean, I was on a plane all day, and then I did a bunch of work, so I didn't read a ton of like the reaction to it. I I read their article and I saw what was going on. I spent a little time and, talking to people online, and and basically like what it came, the 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 end argument that that I came down to was uh, me me and uh, Alex Ullman, uh and, and a couple of the guys were were chatting back and forth, and uh, Alex said to me, you know, like uh, he said something along the lines of. You know, I said it was like responding to a bad Yelp review, you know, with, with this. It just seemed, you know, out of proportion. And uh, he's like, well, how many bad reviews does it take to, you know, change a policy? I was like, if you're a good restaurant, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. you're a good restaurant, so you keep it up. Magic is a good game. It doesn't need to listen to a bunch of people whining about, you know, their changes. But I also said that if that's the case uh, and, they, and they're going to acquiesce to to people's, you know, whining, then – can we just whine a little bit more about the reserve list and have that taken care of? Because, for real, see how I brought it yeah. back to Legacy? <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, I didn't want to say that, but I did. I thought that, too. Yeah, like, of course. Oh, okay. Well, this, they, they didn't make a, a, you know, sort of solemn promise. I just, uh, you know, they, they, they put themselves out there with this change and... Got rid of the core sets, which a lot of people didn't like, because core sets are good outlets for reprints. And now, instead of getting the core sets, we're getting our master's sets, which are $9 a pack. Yeah. And are watered down relative to the first modern masters. Um, and we're getting the exped- uh, you know, the various flavors of Expedition. I'm a big you fan know. of Expeditions, truthfully. Like, that's what's keeping the price of standard down. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not against Expeditions. Like, they look, I mean, and the, the inventions look pretty nice. So I'm not, it's not, I'm just saying that that's, you know, that was a real concern. Like if you're not the kind of person who wants to do that, yeah. who wants to collect that kind of stuff, but you still want the cards, like that doesn't help you as much as like, you know, a Magic 2017 that has For sure. uh, Horizon Canopy in it. Would, well, would. keeping the price of standard down, uh, as long as you're a standard player is, is awesome. Um, it doesn't mean anything if you're a type of person that like, you know, it's not as good for limited players, right? Because limited players that don't play standard are cracking packs and they're looking for that value uh, once they win a tournament, especially if you're in like a team draft league or something like that where the prize is just more packs, right? So if all the mm-hmm. packs are a lower value, uh, that's that sucks because you're not getting the value that you want out of it unless you crack, you know, that one in six boxes uh, ultra mythic rare, right? Um, but yeah. Um, you know, the, the, because, you know, someone asked me the other day, uh, you know, why, how do you determine that it's lower? I've heard a lot of people say it, but I don't see any math behind it. It's, it's, it's very simple. The price of a box can only be what it is, right? Like if yeah. you can open up a box and make more money than the box is worth, 
then either the box has to come up in price, which they probably won't do for a current Magic set, right? They'll do it for Modern Masters or something like that, but not for, like, you know, Kaladash, right? So the price either has to come up on the box or the price for singles has to go down because vendors aren't going to buy, uh, you know, th they'll start opening boxes up to make up for that. You know, there's there's like a kind of give and take demand right. sort of thing going there. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I I agree with that. I understand all that. I'm just sort of saying like just all these changes that they make, you know, and then it's just like now you bandage it in a way, in a way you know? Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's upsetting uh, that that's, that that's the, the end, end result of all that. I was really, uh, I was really hopeful for it and I was really looking forward to seeing uh, how that would change standard. Um, and now that, you know, it's just finally becoming a thing, we've just get it yanked out from underneath of us. So it's, yeah. it's sort of And I think from a legacy perspective, the thing that made it interesting was not even so much that, but like the two blocks or two set blocks. Yeah. Because that means they're churning through ideas faster and maybe something squeaks out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you get, you get like the occasional, like, okay, well, we're going to, you know, at least that seems like it's still a thing, right? Two set blocks are still going to be a thing. Yeah, two side blocks yeah, gonna yeah. be a thing because Good. now they have no choice. They're, 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 they're two years ahead on those. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. And so, anyway, we should probably wrap it there. It's been yeah, a yeah. This, is, this seems like a good place to call it. Uh, it was, it was great talking with you, Nate. Yeah, sorry we never got back to Legacy, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> have a good one, guys. <laughs>